0: support beyond the capital for Latam entrepreneurs and thinking about the VC's role within the broader ecosystem to enable long-term change instead of sort of making bets on, on an existing pool of um, opportunities.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Latam Venture Capital Podcast. This is your host, Fernanda Sesto, and in this show, I have thought-provoking interviews with Latinx venture capital investors and fearless entrepreneurs who share their stories of success, challenges, career backgrounds, and market thoughts. Thank you for tuning in today, and I'm excited to introduce today's guest. Cristian Raigosa is the head of startups and VC at Clara. The leading Latin American solution for businesses to make and manage all their payments, with a presence in Brazil, Mexico, and Colombia. He is also managing partner of Illuminar Ventures, which invests in early stage startups in Spanish speaking LATAM, and he's also on the board of True Colors LATAM, a new nonprofit advocating for LGBTQ representation in the Latin American tech ecosystem. Christian is Mexican American and is originally from Los Angeles, California, and he received his BA in economics from the University of Chicago. In today's episode, we talk about the importance of building ecosystems in Latin America, how regulations and governments play a role in innovation development, and the different projects Christian is currently working on and how they supplement each other. This is Christian Raigosa. Hi, Christian. Thank you so much for being here how are you doing today
0: thank you so much for having me on uh very excited to be on the podcast
1: yeah of course so let's kick off with what's your story what's your passion and what drives you
0: thank you for asking um so what's my story um just i guess for the the headline so um I'm, i'm currently talking to you from the offices of clara in mexico city um uh at clara i am uh, the company's global head of startups and VC, uh, which is a newer role that I started about three months ago now um, and and happened um, sort of as a consequence of of knowing the folks at Clara for quite some time, being an investor in the company uh, through Gangel's uh, fund that I used to work at and seeing uh, an opportunity to uh, continue to help uh, the startups community uh, tackle some of its biggest problems uh, through the Clara lens. Um, I also run a venture firm called Illuminar, which has been around for about two years. Uh, we invest at early stage in Spanish speaking Latin America. I see the two, um, sort of roles as highly synergistic. The difference is one is an investing role. And one is really, I think, um, an enablement role in a different way. Um, Illuminar started, uh, two years ago as a spin out from a much larger fund called Game uh, where I was an early employee, um, I was uh, number eight, I originally came as chief of staff from the co-founders, um, and uh, was just really excited by that organization's mission to really um, enable LGBTQ inclusion in the global tech ecosystem. I saw them grow from $20 million a year in investments to almost a billion dollars a year when I um, sort of stepped back to focus just on Latam 3 Luminar. Um, and Illuminar has made about 35 investments in the region. About half of them have um, main operations in Mexico, a quarter in Colombia. The rest are Chile, Argentina, Peru, and a number of those also have operations in Brazil. Um, And I run the firm with my partner, Victoria, who um, is a dear friend. She's been with me from the start and is also extremely passionate about helping entrepreneurs kind of get the resources and access um, to to talent, capital, insights. Um, She spent the last 10 years in the Mexican VC ecosystem on both uh, operating roles uh, in sort of people and culture and ops, and was an operating partner at a fintech fund in Mexico City prior to joining Illuminar. Um, A little more just about my broad background. So I grew up in Los Angeles. Um, I'm Mexican-American. My mom's side is from Mexico City. My dad's side is from Jalisco. Um, I am pretty gringo, born and raised in LA, and my Spanish is, you know, somewhere between intermediate and professional. It's getting there. Uh, I I wish it were better. Um, uh, You know, it's the classic second-generation Latino problem. Um, And studied economics at the University of Chicago. I started my career working in the institutional investing space in New York at AIG's um, asset management platform, which was the $360 billion portfolio. Um, I was primarily focused, uh, well, I was an associate portfolio manager for our $60 billion uh, investment grade corporate credit book, and then moved up to the chief investment officer's office and helped tactically oversee our strategy across the entire um, portfolio, which included real estate, private markets way more esoteric sort of debt instruments. Um, it was a truly global portfolio. And so it was a really valuable investing experience um, uh, that I was lucky to have before focusing on on um you know entrepreneurship. And I would say, sorry, I know I've been talking a while, but I would say um, you know, what's what's kind of been a through line and what's driven me, I think, from uh, you know, starting in the the kind of traditional investing space and got me to where I am today. Um, uh, and has been kind of a strong desire to um, make an impact in terms of representation of folks who historically have been left out of uh, some of these very important spaces. So I ended up uh, partly at at that uh, big institutional investor um, uh, because I was able to meet them through a wonderful organization that I'm still involved with today called Out for Undergrad, um, which focuses on bringing LGBTQ uh, undergraduates to um, uh, you know, great companies in finance and consulting and professional services. Um, when I was in New York at the asset manager, um, my my first entryway into the entrepreneurial community was through organizations at the intersection of the LGBTQ identity and sort of business and entrepreneurship. Organizations like Out in Tech start out um, and eventually Gangles, as mentioned. Um, and that continues to be a, a major sort of source of inspiration for me. Um, when I think about sort of underrepresented folks uh, in, in a broader sense um, and the way that I'm building Illuminar and the way that I'm also building True Colors, which is sort of the third thing that I that keeps me very, very busy, which is a nonprofit um, that was recently started alongside five other LGBTQ tech leaders um, in LATAM to promote kind of um, inclusion and representation and um, advocate for best practices within the corporate and tech settings across the region. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think true colors and, and, and also my role at Clara, all of it is a continuation of this sort of desire to um, help ensure that folks were very talented and have a lot to say and a lot to do um, are empowered to, to make the change that they want to see.
1: Wow. I love that. I love your story and that you are connecting, you know, those ideas of, helping entrepreneurs, but also the inclusivity and um, diversity part. I'm also feel like that as well with women specifically and bringing more representation. So uh, I, I really admire that. And so this is a personal question, but I, I like to ask, what's the one thing you would tell you your younger self?
0: Uh, it's a good question. Um, and something I've been thinking about um weirdly like more lately because sometimes (laughs) it can be quite overwhelming with just the quantity of work that there is to be done right and it's like um I think I can get really caught up in the like what is the next thing that I need to do in order to make the impact that I want to see um and I think it's sometimes hard to step back and say like um like oh yeah I've actually like kind of done a lot in a fairly short amount of time um and I, I think my younger self who would be very very uh, proud to see the way that I've spun this little web of of uh crazy things that I, I really care about. Um, I think younger self um was way less certain and secure about um his vision uh for making change in the world. I think he was really hungry for um. Uh, you know, doing something excellent and of of importance um, and probably felt a little bit of doubt in his ability to do that, um, uh, especially taking into consideration the fact that, you know, when I was much younger, I wasn't out and there was all this fear of like, I think what what I uh, wanted and knew what I was and my ability to um, kind of authentically express that. Um, And I think that if I could, go back to my younger self with the knowledge and the experience that I have today. Um, I would, I would tell him, you know, screw it. Like just be, just be who you want to be. Don't worry about what other people will think because more often than not, and not always. And I was a bit lucky in this regard. Like most people will be very supportive of you and want to see you succeed and really want you to be happy. Um, and so, um, you know, I think there would probably have been a lot of saved, um, uh anxiety and frustration in um having been more willing to kind of authentically take risks that maybe at that time i I was more afraid of taking um and obviously now in my role today all i do is uh take smart risks and and help other people do the same uh so so you know i think i've learned a lot since Mm -hmm. i was younger self
1: yeah that's great to hear and also Gaining confidence, I think, comes with age as well. Confidence in yourself and what you believe in. So it seems like you, you've done or achieved that as well. So now moving on to like your role in the VC world, I heard a couple of podcasts and read some blogs that you wrote. And you mentioned that the value out of Illuminar What it brings to the portfolio companies beyond the capital and you emphasize the importance of building a strong ecosystem in Latin America with the support of universities and the government. And I thought that was really interesting because it's not just seeing Illuminar as a one player, but also, you know, overall a community and ecosystem. So I'm curious to know how do you think portfolio support looks like in LATAM and specifically what are the current obstacles that you see startups experience after they raise capital?
0: Yeah, so happy to dive into that. And I think I can sometimes, um, I don't know uh, if the listeners necessarily will be super familiar with like Bernie Sanders, but sometimes I think of myself a bit like like him and that I have a very uh, occasionally repetitive but consistent message um, around what I think uh, my priorities are in terms of uh, helping enable um, smart risk-taking and entrepreneurship within uh, the Latham region. Um, I think... um, the the balance that I uh or the tension that I'm consistently kind of trying to solve is this um uh you know how can I think about things more expansively while staying practical in my ability to execute a strategy um and I think that's a that's a tension that many people feel um uh, but I think a tendency um, that is starting to change, but at least at the beginning uh, periods of time in, in the Latin ecosystem, the tendency for venture firms is to think of themselves as capital providers first and foremost, which is still obviously, I think, a core function of a venture capital firm. It's to you know identify talented founders and uh, you know set the right price, provide them with capital to build something amazing, right? Um, and you have to be really disciplined about that. And that's like a non-negotiable component of being a venture capitalist. But what I think, um, you know, looking at both the US perspective of venture and what I have experienced in Latam, um, sometimes what can be lacking I think is, um, you know, support beyond the capital for Latam entrepreneurs And and thinking about kind of the VC's role within the broader ecosystem, to enable long-term change instead of sort of making bets on on an existing pool of of, of, um, opportunities. And where I still see um, a huge opportunity to make a difference, uh, there are a few different um, spaces. So as mentioned, I think education is one of them. When I think about um, the infrastructure built in the United States for servicing sort of the tech um kind of opportunity um universities private and public in that context do a really great job of aligning incentives and interests with the needs of the private sector um established and small and you know startups and tech companies are pretty well represented especially at some of the really you know shiny schools the berkeley's the stanford's the whatever's um And I haven't yet seen the type of concerted effort um, from the university sector uh, in places like Mexico or Colombia or even Brazil um, in kind of integrating educational needs with um, opportunities in the tech sector. And I think that, that kind of creates a little bit of a bottleneck in terms of what we can fund in the future and how quickly we can... Develop this sort of startup skill set and knowledge base, um, uh, uh, you know, in in the ecosystem. Um, to put it very, very specifically, and this is something I've probably said on another podcast. Like, if you're uh, someone who is studying computer science at Berkeley, um, you have a very clear cultural understanding of what tech is. You probably applied to Berkeley as a CS major because you wanted to work at some tech company or a startup. So the cultural understanding is pretty ingrained um, within that that world. Um, The curriculum is is sort of um, up to speed with what the needs of the private sector are. Uh, The Googles and the Facebooks and the sort of big tech companies and smaller startups um, come to campus and kind of tell you about the opportunity. They have internship programs. They have, um, uh, you know, uh, sort of clearly articulated recruiting strategies. Um, that source from these universities and then, you know, a computer science major does an internship, they join full time, maybe they do that for like two or three years. And then they're like, ah, I'm tired of the, uh, you know, big corporate bureaucracy that is Google, I'm going to go join some, you know, series A startup or um, or start my own company. And um, I think we're still in the development phase of of creating that kind of infrastructure. I don't think that it's something that a venture firm like Illuminar can do alone. Um, and again, coming back to this like expansiveness of ecosystem building and and trying to balance kind of resources against vision. What I what I try to do with Illuminat is be someone who can help align those interests um, and and do so in a very collaborative way. Um, so I spent time talking with folks in, say, Mexican government around like, oh, like what are some of the thoughts that I have um related to innovation strategy and how we can kind of um reduce the cost to, um, develop new technologies in the, the region. And, you know, there are a bunch of different conversations that I've had with folks in like the Secretary de Relaciones Exteriores or Ministry of Economy. Um, and I think there's not necessarily enough of that happening yet, um, between sort of folks in the private sector, uh, in innovation and, and government and the same thing with universities. And so I think, I think, like I, I um, am trying to do what I can to encourage folks in government to be a little more proactive and extend an olive branch to, I think, uh, folks on the capital-providing side who um, maybe feel a certain kind of uncertainty or or risk to getting involved with government. Um, but I think that the path forward to improving quality of innovation is by creating a more integrated um, infrastructure which aligns sort of government understanding and policy uh, initiatives with um, you know what is happening on the ground in the entrepreneurial sector, which ideally folks in the venture capital space can can do more here uh, to communicate more proactively with decision makers and government um, to mitigate risk and to create I think smarter, more informed views within um, local governments. And then do more work with the university sector. I think one of the problems in Latin America is like everyone is afraid of bureaucracy. That's part of the beautiful opportunity here is like, there's so much inefficiency in the system that like tech solutions can really um, kind of change that. But um, I think it's a little short-sighted to just focus on, on picking, trying to pick the winner in a, a smaller kind of pool of opportunity versus trying to create new winners and then being that source of capital to, to um, uh, sort of give to them as the size of the, the potential investable opportunity um, grows, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So just, just to kind of tie up, uh, I went on a, on a big sort of <laughs> uh, a conversation around like the education piece, but that's one thing, right? So we try to work with, with government, We try to work with, um, um, and and think tanks and nonprofits that like do this kind of um, forward-thinking advocacy for the innovation sector. We do work, um, uh, we're trying to do more work with the university um, uh, players in the region. We do a lot of collaboration with other VCs, both in Latam and across the border, um, because we think that, you know, we want to have consistent availability of capital um, and we want to be a real champion of kind of folks who are building locally in Latam and bringing that access to really great Established VC brands in the US as well. Um, And we want to help with kind of, again, the representation piece too, because we think that's really important as the ecosystem continues to develop. um, That it's not just, um, you know, the usual suspects who are maybe um, willing to take the risk more because they come from certain sort of socioeconomic backgrounds, um, but that it's, you know, it's women, it's LGBTQ folks, it's, um, you know, folks who are not white or from really privileged backgrounds. Um, and I think we're at the very early, uh, parts of, of building that into the ecosystem and there's a lot of work to do and we're really excited to do it.
1: Yeah. I personally agree with your vision of venture capital or, or like a venture capital firm being part of that forward thinking, as you said it, um, and just being part of a community that is trying to, at the end of the day, especially in LATAM, I think, where there's so many inefficiencies, there's also, so many basic needs that are still not not covered and tech companies and overall entrepreneurs have a lot of opportunities there to make a great impact and partnering with institutions like the government of, or university can really help the quality of lives of Latin Americans and i personally care about that too so i i like you know hearing more about this of seeing how vcs can play a role in in that movement and you know, talking about the different countries that we have in LATAM and like how the ecosystem players change as well. I'm curious, to know, how do you as a Latin American investor manage the diversity of regulations and incentives and this, you know, difference in players overall when it comes to being an active partner to startups that you invest in?
0: Yeah. So I think this is an interesting question. Um, and, um, as mentioned earlier in the podcast, I think a very large percentage of the portfolio is Meco and Colombia. I think this is a conversation actually that I've had with um, some potential LPs in the past um, in terms of like, you know, from an inclusion perspective, um, um, does it make sense to be investing a lot more in what I would say are like a... Uh, and I mean this in a, in a polite way, like adjacent or non-core LATAM markets, right? I think that's a question um, where Illuminar um, historically has maintained an open mind to investing um, outside of the big, sexy Mexico, Colombia, Brazil um, markets. Because there is definitely opportunity waiting to be capitalized in smaller geographies. Um, and a number of the companies in our portfolio, you know, even if they start in New Mexico or Colombia, um, at times will expand to other markets like Peru or Costa Rica or, you know, um, uh, places where I think it is a little more challenging, a little more, there's more fragmentation in terms of like um, knowledge and awareness of how to navigate the local regulatory regimes in those places, right? Um, and I think part of the problem um so in, in talking to one of these LPs that I'm thinking of, right, they were like, well, one of our best investments has been in Ecuador, or one of our investments, best investments has been um, you know, in the Caribbean somewhere. Um, and we were able to get a really good outcome because no one else was willing to capitalize it at the stage that we invested. Um, and you know, there's real talent there and not enough kind of folks um uh, being capital providers. Um I think that's like a really strong point, but where I get worried around that, well, one, what I end up seeing, especially with like, you know, uh, a couple of the folks I'm thinking of in, in, that have come from some of the smaller markets, is they end up typically, you know, um, trying to build in Mexico or Brazil or Colombia um, out of kind of this necessity of like the market size, right? Uh, and so, for us, I think we have uh, quite a bit of comfort and familiarity with those three large markets. They have, um, a now kind of established, um, playbook and framework of, of, um, kind of building businesses in those countries. Um, and we are open to considering opportunities that are outside of those core markets where we think there's like total potential to expand across the region and capture a large opportunity that exists not just in the smaller market. I think of Chile as an example, right? Where it's like, I think mean, there's a lot of really interesting talent in Chile. There's a very um, uh, long history of the government being quite supportive um, in terms of fostering the innovation economy there. Um, but the truth is it's a pretty small country, right? And so, uh, you know, for our investments there, I think almost pretty, pretty universally, Um, you know, it's a, it's a place that they're familiar with where they can capture an opportunity in the short term. And then they, they generally go to bigger markets. Um, And I think that there's not necessarily, um, I think in the short term, it is harder to be someone building a business in a smaller market and trying to solicit capital from investors in those places. I think in the long term, what i also see is uh, a number of folks from smaller markets actually coming to places like mexico city or medellin or sao paulo and like um finding easier access to talent or capital by coming to those places and kind of building in a more expansive way um and i think that that sort of given that that's where we're at in terms of the ecosystem development and the sort of risk tolerance in general um over time, I think there will be knowledge spillovers that will make it easier for folks in smaller markets to kind of um you know build local solutions, having kind of been in these dense um uh markets that are a little more um what's the word I'm looking for? Developed. Um and I think about it in the same way as the US, it's like a lot of folks get funded uh in San Francisco, a lot of folks get funded in New York. I don't um I don't think that that's necessarily, um, inherently a bad thing. I think like these networks of knowledge and playbooks, um, exist, um, and, and if you're someone building in like a smaller, less VC oriented kind of a state in the U S the tendency is, um, to go to one of these bigger places to attract talent and capital more easily, it's not a necessity. I think it's just, um, and I've I've seen people build really great companies in the US context in in non-core VC US markets. Um, uh, I I think it's just a question of what is the market size and and how are you either constrained or given a special advantage by being in the setting that is not the core setting.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense. I I like that comparison of the US uh, markets, definitely the capital and the opportunities, but also the amount of startups that come out of the you know California and New York, it's uh, incomparable with like the Midwest, for example, and how that translates in a way into Latin America as well. And there's decentralized markets. It's just interesting to see though how the smaller markets, like my country, for example, Uruguay. Are trying to copy or or just adapt to adopt actually adopt the policies and regulations that have helped these other countries like Brazil and how that would look like in the future and if we can recognize certain patterns that will make this markets better in the future I I love to see Uruguay being a it's such a small country so I don't I don't, I don't know how it will look like but we do have a unicorn there do local i don't know if you heard of it but of yeah <laughs> so we'll we'll see i i just think it's interesting to think about yeah. and i think um you know
0: uruguay is is a kind of a a leader in terms of their the, the the country's willingness to kind of do policy innovation and be forward thinking in terms of how they can attract um capital and be flexible in terms of uh, their ability to support local entrepreneurs in, in building what they want to build. I think like it's this balance between the size of the market is the size of the market. And it's probably the case that like um uh you know a company building in Uruguay will necessarily have to build outside of Uruguay as well. Mm-hmm. Um, um but I think there are really interesting ways uh that time governments can kind of uh, adapt policies that are that make it easier to start a business. Um, that maybe are like tax preferable, um, that support the growth of uh local talent generation. And you know, obviously as folks like DLocal uh become uh major, major players, there's a sort of spillover effect from that as well. So I think it's really just a matter of time before kind of um I I, I don't I don't like to think of the opportunity in La as just a Mexico or Colombia or or Brazil type of a thing. I do think it is region wide. Um but I, I, I also am practical and understanding that like there are, there is some value to dense networks of talent capital and, and people willing to take risks. And um, uh, I think there should be some kind of collaboration and alignment between governments and overarchingly trying to capitalize great opportunities that can be helpful across the region, as opposed to just being kind of maybe, sh- you know, uh, not short-sighted but uh, navel-gazing in their bubble yeah. is the way
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, no thank you so now I'm curious to learn more about your role at Clara and like how you ended up there so you shared before that you wanted to get your hands dirty in the ecosystem now you're the head of startups in Klata and and it's which is an end-to-end payment platform for companies in Latin America so can you just share more about this role and your thought process before making the decision to join Clara
0: Yeah, of course. Um, love, love, love Clara Again, I've known the company for, for quite some time. Um, I've known Jerry for quite some time. He's been a really great advocate of some of the, uh, you know, uh, LGBTQ focused um, initiatives that, that I've helped put together um, and more broadly in the community. Um, and really, I think the the question of joining clara was around the opportunity to continue to make an impact um, and, and enable entrepreneurs to um, build and manage what they're building much more easily, um, and helping accelerate that mission uh, by tapping into kind of you know what I've built uh, with my network and with the way that I think about the ecosystem. In Latin America. Um, so, um, you know, the title is Global Head of Startups, VC, and Private Equity, which is a very long title. Um, uh, and, and I think the core point of it is really um, helping make sure that um, as cloud continues to grow, um, and as the, the LATAM tech ecosystem continues to grow, um, that we are really doing what we can to Uh, make sure that uh, startups of all sizes um, uh, can reduce the burden of, you know, these sort of uh, complicated annoying problems related to managing and controlling uh, corporate spend and uh, the the way that their finance function works, right? We want to create, we've created a solution that makes it very easy uh, for folks to kind of uh, consolidate that information around, uh, you know, monthly your annual spend um, in a sort of seamless and kind of cards-enabled way with many other exciting things to come, right? Um, and so the opportunity to join was really, I think, uh, a combination of my desire to kind of more practically find ways to, uh, as with all the other things I've described, reduce the cost to build uh, a business uh, for folks who are building in Latin America. Um, and and I think, you know, I have a really unique um Uh, background that enables me to kind of accelerate cloud's mission to do that
1: i'm just like curious like so what it when you decided to join like what exactly what was the moment like that triggered that decision like if if you can just share because i think and and also how does your experience as an investor help you in in your role or like making this decision specifically i think it's uh, interesting that you're serving on both roles right now and how you have to switch between the roles and, and the mindset, I'm sure like that also, I mean, probably has an effect on it.
0: Yeah. So I think, um, look, I mean, I think uh, for a company like Clara um, uh, to be able to access the startup community and the venture community in a sort of um, uh, systematic way, can be a bit challenging right like i think the startups world is a bit of a bubble of its own and accessing that bubble i think requires a specific kind of network um and so um you know what am i kind of doing in these first three months that i've been at clara i mean obviously it's it's like how can i make sure that um folks in colombia brazil or mexico um really know us and trust us and that we're very actively kind of um uh, making sure that they know how to use our solution and um, uh, sort of optimally uh, leverage it uh, in, in the variety of ways that it can be used. Um, and so I think coming to the question of like, how do you kind of manage the Illuminar and Clara all at once thing? And let's not forget true colors. Like again, three hats at once is is quite a lot but there's a ton of overlap in terms of who I'm talking to and like the strategy, right? So on, on the Illumina side, like what am I doing? I am uh, have really great relationships with um, all the major LATAM and and U S VC firms that invest in LATAM. I am talking to entrepreneurs all the time and trying to understand like what their problems are and how it can be helpful. Um, On the true color side, it's just a slightly different demographic, but similar type of thing. How can I, you know, build community, um, within, uh, the LGBTQ sort of set of folks in Latam tech, um, and kind of help them, um, get better access, um, and, and understanding of how to navigate being an entrepreneur while also being LGBTQ. And in Glada, it's like, uh, you know, that community in those networks that I've built, um, um. In those two other contexts, have very strong overlap with, you know, the sort of quality of service and and um, types of partnerships that I'm I'm building at Clara. So to me, it's all very much one thing. I get to meet incredible um, companies that maybe weren't on my radar through, um, you know, the vehicle of of Clara, and vice versa. Clara gets to meet really incredible startups that uh, weren't customers. Uh, through the uh, I think pretty awesome vehicle that I've built through Illumina. So it's all highly synergistic, and I think aligns with my my ecosystem building um, mindset. Um, and I think in terms of the the you know in one case, I think there's a lot more of this kind of r- rigorous analytical investment opportunity assessment. Um, and and there's a strategy to kind of build a platform that entrepreneurs trust and entrepreneurs want to come to for capital and investment, and that's Illuminar. I'm very much building something very similar within Clara. It's almost like building a startup within a startup for startups. It's actually how we kind of pitched at the beginning. Um, it's like, you know, um, uh, what I'm building at Clara is, is a strategy uh, to make sure that we are the trusted partner for startups in the markets that we serve um, and kind of in a comprehensive way uh, leveraging our products, um, um, as, as, you know, obviously the way that we grow and make money, um, but not just exclusively that thinking about how we can be real partners to startups, um, um, beyond kind of, uh, you know, being a spend management tool. And that, that means, you know, providing opportunities for folks who, who use our product and who might use our product to meet with really interesting, you know, um, corporate innovation partners or hosting events around diversity and inclusion related things, or, um, you know, just having really, uh, you know, I think something that I bring to the table to Clara as well is the opportunity to not just be someone who is ultimately trying to get uh, startups to use our product, which is a great product that they should be using, but also see me as an ally um, and, and Clara as an ally in helping them solve many of their other problems as entrepreneurs. Um, Via our partnerships, via my ability to help them get in touch with really amazing capital, etc. It's an extension of what I'm already doing, um, just in a more operational way.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. No, I totally get it and uh, resonate with that as so well with like the different projects I'm involved as well. So how like people ask me how do you do all that? And it's like well, things are just transferable in a way. Like the skills I'm using are the same. It's just maybe the context switching that's yeah. the 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 harder part. So now the final question, uh, I'm. You know, this podcast targeted towards outside investors, trying to learn more about investing in Latin America. So what is a piece of advice that you would give them?
0: Um, within the Latin American framework, or, or rather, uh system specifically. So I think one thing that... Um, I don't know if this is advice, but it's something that I uh, uh, kind of experienced in... Building Illuminati as an investment platform um, is there's kind of this interesting problem in Latin America today where um, there's still kind of risk aversion from local capital in sort of being partners to new um funds and players in the region and the kind of skepticism around the value that uh sort of innovation within the region can bring and i would say there's also risk aversion in the u.s context from folks who could be capital providers meaning lps and funds focused on them um uh because there's sort of this sense of like ah like Latham is interesting. I don't know if I am an expert at this. Um, it's not really in my wheelhouse. Um I think that on both sides, and again, this I think aligns very much with my um, ecosystem building mindset. There is um a little bit of this laziness in terms of uh being able to do the homework on like the immense value creation opportunities and fundamental needs in Latin America. I think it's very easy for, um, you know, an LP in the U S or in that to say, Oh, I like U S is big. It's mature. Like I know it. Well, I'm going to put more money into that or in the Latin context to be like, um, yeah, I have this family office. We have a big operating business. We know how to do that. Well, um, Uh, we have probably a huge tilt toward real estate and we like doing real estate. And there's this, um, I think, kind of emergent engagement with the opportunity, but something that doesn't feel necessarily super concerted. And I think that for the ecosystem to um, continue to thrive and grow, um, we'd have more champions um, kind of helping to educate Um, sophisticated, um, powerful um, uh, folks on both sides of the borders to uh, really understand what is going on in Latin America and take that additional risk. um, Because I think taking that risk will pay off in the long run. In seeing how, um, you know, the tides of geopolitics are shifting, um, the near shoring opportunity is growing the level of um, just talent available in the region, you know I was talking to a corporate in 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 the US uh, a, a very large financial player that's looking to open you know an office that could scale to a thousand people in Mexico soon. There's a clear trend that is up and to the right in terms of investment in places like Mexico, Colombia, Brazil an increased level of sophistication. And I think just given where kind of, I think the macro has gone recently and where rates have gone and where um, there's this kind of tendency to say, I'm going to go back to what I know as an LP, which often means I'm going to invest more in US venture because it's the thing that is the most built out. I think that's actually a short-sighted approach to uh, developing real alpha. And I think smart LPs will, um, will be able to identify um that latin america is really on a different path and has a a really unique moment where additional capital um um given to folks with deep expertise and understanding of the nuances in the region will really be able to make an enormous impact um in the coming years Um, and so my hope is uh for the region that you know One, I think that capital that is already investing is largely here to stay in a lot of ways. I think there's been some fear of like US funds kind of retreating. I haven't necessarily seen that happening as much. I think there are a lot of folks who are still very much willing to look at Latin America on the VC side, who are historically much more US focused. And I, again, I'm continuing to do a lot of work on um, ensuring that those folks continue to invest here by keeping those relationships warm. Um, um, But I think um, amidst all the noise of the market, um, having conviction and and really doing your homework uh, is is super important. And so I think that's my advice is do your homework. Um, I think that that's what really makes the difference when you're in uh, sort of a chaotic market, the folks who are uh, doing the most work to stay the most informed and and really be innovative in terms of the way that they build their businesses, they allocate their money, they think about policy and not just kind of sticking to the status quo, which is comfortable and knowable, that's where the real value creation happens. Um, and so that's what I encourage folks to do, is to really do their homework.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much, Christian. That was great advice. I'm sure the audience will appreciate it. Thank you for being in the podcast. I appreciate it a lot.
0: Thank you for having me. I really uh, enjoyed my time.
1: Asking good questions takes a lot of preparation and research beforehand. And in this particular scenario, I wanted to dig deeper into Christian's thoughts of Latin America portfolio support and the way he sees venture capital firms being an active player into the ecosystem and also improving the quality of lives of thousands of people through innovation and through investments and i really learned a lot about it and it got me questioned the impact that VC firms can have in emerging markets like latin america i hope you learned something new today please make sure to share this episode on your network and come back next week for a new episode